In the universe, she kissed me. Told me she was curled up inside of me. Ingrained in every microorganism which formulates itself into sacred divineness. And this is an X. Remember, an X. Any, mini, mighty, mo, catch a fat by yourself. If they holla, let them know you ain't get your money. I mean, ring around the posies, pocket full of hosies. All the feds go digging, it's time to go to Afro. My Bushido slice through they ego, make us all equal. True power to the people, rise up, my hero. In this new age, old Evo, the katana is lethal. Each of our not sequel, hiding behind smoke. Got y'all tripping, marijuana smoking. This joint makes me peaceful. Say what you want, and I leave you in pieces. Ain't talking about a Rapping my chronology, flow like a robot. Got all this technology flowing through my veins. This my biology. Take you to school, sharpen your tools, make your own rules. Don't follow their rules. One size don't fit all, and all don't fit one. Don't limit yourself. Have you in a wrong? Cause you is a genius. Change up the flow. I don't mind the workload. Every day I hustle to struggle. Yeah, every day. Every day, always make it perfect. Stacking up your money, make your pockets fat. Fuck the money, don't invest the shit in your future. Any, mini, miny, mo, catch a fed, buy it, toe. Ask them where your money go. Scare any who dare try you. Yeah. Is a hidden history, machine of mass mystery, escape misery. When I spit, I go schizo, now ring around the rosy punkies, criticize the despise. I'ma still build the fucking enterprise, frequencies trickling down like rain from the heavens. Simplicity wasn't my direction since I was seven. Realistically transcendent, physically limited, spiritually so, they say my mind's demented. In time, I shine dependent on the message. They why my rhyme so blind when documented, but the lesson is still a session. My mind is steady, steady. Lead by ejecting with brass shells. This generation leaving me exasperated. I might blow my load until I crack the matrix. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining my podcast today. And today we're going to be talking about urban renewal, gentrification, and specific policies that have have helped exasperate racial inequities that exist in the city and why. Um, We're also going to be discussing statehood, right, and why statehood hasn't happened in the past and why it certainly might be in our future today. So let's get right into it, right? When we think about D.C. history, do we even envision Chocolate Chocolate City anymore? That is the question to ask ourselves. And for me, I currently do not. I've been in the city for about 15 years almost, living in the same area near Now Valley, which is the uh, Georgia Avenue strip, which was booming with Afro businesses and, and is not in the same state as it once was. I know that before COVID-19 in 2018, there were talks or initiatives um, by the mayor, Mayor Bowser, to actually create um, Georgia Avenue development projects to help sustain Afro businesses, but it actually never moved forward. And when actually following up with these departments that would come into the communities and observe and see what the issues were, in on the Georgia Avenue strip. Uh, actually, there were actually no improvements afterwards, right? And you actually had them working with specific businesses 
aligned with uh, PWIs to actually get this work done, but nothing actually moves forward. So it's really interesting to see how the government is really strategic and exasperating and intensifying the internal displacement, but how it's also not really an engaging conversation between the native residents and the government. And a little bit of history about DC is that the actual indigenous people or one group of the indigenous people that actually lived in the city uh, before you had the colonials and, and you have this creation of this a white supremacy society that chooses to oppress for control and capital and chattel slavery. You had these indigenous groups called Washita Murs. And a quick fun fact about DC, if you're not from DC and you're listening to this podcast, Nation's Capital, is a common word used in DC slang is the word mo. What's up, mo? What's good, Mo? How you doing, Mo? It's Grand Sunrise, Mo, right? It actually comes from the word more. So it's like a way in our language that we actually kept our culture and our identity to last on, even with um, the influence of the the Moore Science Temple um, dwindling down. You still have that word that exists. And although people may not realize it, that's the history and that's what we're we're calling ourselves and that's the vibrations we're sending. So although we might not consciously identify with who we were in the past and, and our greatness um, that exists in our DNA, subconsciously we do for certain, right? So this is really interesting to think about. Um, D.C., Washington, D.C. was almost 98% Afro people at a time. And now you had something that was, um, that's being pushed now, but also being pushed in the past called the DC Comprehension Plan, right? And the DC Comprehension Plan actually was something that was instated um, almost 20 years ago, a little bit um, in the late 90s that actually planned out having bringing in big developers and big businesses that would cause more money to be drawn into the city but um, knowing that it's going to increase housing and be pushing a certain group out and especially if there's just um, not specific services that uh, allow for big businesses to boom for the indigenous people so maybe like business uh, loans and, and uh, business opportunities and, and business knowledge are also just learning and knowing that there's different schemes that exist in the United States of America for certain groups of people to get over. So, for example, when you have people coming in and offering large sums of, of money, right, to people who own homes and who are Native and Indigenous, however, uh you know, the property tax increases and someone's offering large sums of money. So it's like you might want to take the large sum of money momentarily, temporarily, because the property taxes is increasing more and more. So you don't have people that have that uh, financial literacy to be like, OK, well, maybe if I come together with 
this community so we can fight back against this increased property tax, um, then it would be way more better for me in the long run because I see that things are changing in the city and this is going to be a long-term investment, generational wealth investment for my family. So I don't have to move out. A lot of people aren't aware of um, what's going on in these different schemes and, and what DC would look like in the future because for a long, long time, Washington, D.C., the nation's capital where the president is meant to reside, had been neglected, right? There was increased violence that was going on because intentionally uh, job opportunities were taken away. For example, you had the second mayor, Mayor Bowser, that had actually built and created and cultivated a community that allowed for there to be economic stability for for a long time, like just by giving out contracts to people in the Afro community and allowing for them to permitting them to be millionaires by giving them these economic opportunities, which is something that the government is meant to do like the government is meant to help the economy thrive. However, we we obviously notice that that's not the case when observing things like where are the procurement services going? Right. The procurement services are something that's specifically meant to go to local businesses. And for example, you might have a lot of procurement services for construction as you may know if you live in the city, there's always construction, always things that's being rebuilt, new buildings, new condos, new apartments, new roads, better roads, messed up roads, whatever the case may be, there's always construction. And there are uh, Afro businesses that do construction. However, those aren't the construction businesses that are going to be the first ones that are chosen. And that, my friends, is um, bias, implicit bias. And also it's a little bit covert because you have to prove it. You have to, uh, request an audit or whatever the case may be to ensure that there is discrimination that, that can be seen there. A lot of times they'll say, well, we don't know of any construction businesses that's owned by um, you melanated people and, and maybe they haven't reached out to us. So it's really about connecting that gap, but also holding the government accountable for their due diligence. When there's not economic opportunities, that's where violence thrives and, and can survive. And alongside, we all know that also, with that being said, you have uh, government entities that actually want to in- intensify the violence in communities by uh, either giving communities access to drugs, giving communities access to guns, giving communities uh, access to funds for spying or um, trying to get more information from certain communities that might be doing good work, might not be doing so good work. But the thing is, is that um, currently the government has targeted a specific group of people based off their color and really to divide and conquer because they do not want us to attach ourselves to our identity and and really know but also not just know but empower ourselves as to who we are it's more 
beneficial for the United States government to have the public masses, no matter who you are, to be engulfed in this uh, illusion and delusion of working and money and shiny things, cars and diamonds and gold and clothes. And it's like, none of that matters, right? Because at the end of the day, we come from nature, first of all, but we're human beings and humanity matters. And we need to be taking care of each other and making sure that this earth is sustainable for the next generation, but not only sustainable, but safe and protected and that things are changed because it's 2021. So certain things that were going on in the 1900s and 1800s and the 1700s and the 1500s, 14, can no longer be be maintained because that is threatening the safety and the livelihoods of not only our lives now, but our our children's lives. So there's certain things that we just have to start advocating for, but not only advocating for, but organizing with, right? Like we have to start having these bigger conversations. Like we need to say having mass gatherings for permitting change in our communities and by the government like I know for example you have certain communities in the nation that are starting to ask the government to be privatized because they do know they no longer do not um, trust the government and they want to separate themselves and this might be something that our communities have to start looking into and especially when realizing that the government is not there to um protect and keep us safe for example maybe instead of having so many of our our people that trust the government and um, allow them to be on different government opportunities or subsidies whatever the case you want to call it like welfare or um other health care or whatever the case may be, we have to start creating our own health care systems, right? Because we know there is something called the medical apartheid. And we know that there is something called food insecurity that exists. And we're fully capable of creating our own medical facilities. And we do have our own medical facilities. It's just a matter of if we have the right people in those positions and who are working there that are actually working for our people and not just uh, pushing the quota of someone else's agenda, right? And we can also create our own community grocery stores. And that's something that is happening slowly, but surely in the city again, after Marion Barry had made it all across the city with over thousands of housing cooperatives and hundreds of uh, food cooperatives. I think you have one that's going to be in the state of the Southeast, but this is something that can happen now and, and increasingly, and especially at a time where we need fresh food, because Now that we're getting into this technological revolution and these changes that we see, we see um, that certain companies around the world and even in America are trying to find new ways to make profit. And in that case, they're trying to start growing vegetables, fruits and meats in a lab, which hold no nutrition. And food is our medicine. Um, And this is something that's not only going to attack and um, harm 
eumelanated groups of people or carbonated groups of people, it's going to harm everyone for certain. However, when you see, and, and I have noticed in the grocery stores that um, vegetables and fruits and, and water even are increasing in its prices, who is going to be mostly impacted when you're thinking about the economy? People who are already um, economically in unstable from different uh, specific attacks that has happened generationally over over the years and decades um so for for example right if you want an example we've had banks that existed but we've also had our banks be targeted by groups of people who identify as white or european or whatever the case may be caucasian um, because they didn't want that challenge. They didn't want to have that competitive ed, uh, competition, right? So it is unethical, but it has happened. So we had something called the Freedmen's Bank. The Freedmen's Bank was set up, but the Freedmen's Bank was originally for the veterans of Afro people that had entered it and to have them a safe space to put their money in their funds and actually what happened is that a lot of people ended up not even getting access to those funds and then it ended up going and being directed to um, either the government or um, white people that were actually trying to throw out that bank and you, you see that as a common thing that happens across the nation um, everyone's heard of the black wall street we we just have so many different things where our, our financial status is uh, being targeted in order to dismantle and cause us to be in disarray. And now we're in a state where in 2021, unfortunately, instead of us growing from those lessons, we've actually reverted into the mindset of um, our oppressors where we want to become more individualistic and more materialistic and we're trying to feed our lives through the material world however it's not fulfilling because we also see that our people are being attacked daily and oppressed daily and that there's just not enough structure there's not enough infrastructure and there's not enough security that exists in our communities right now is really about just uh, living right but it's not about life and we need to get into a state where we're sustaining life, not only sustaining it, but um, allowing for our life to, to thrive and for our children, for the future. So we have to keep feeding our children the right information. We have to be the leaders that they wish for us and need for us to be. It can't be that the leaders are the ones that are being shown in media and social media because that will only further harm our communities. So let's get back into this comprehension plan, right? As introduced, the bill of the comprehension plan exasperated racial inequities in the district of Columbia, and it was roughly a 15-page land use document which guides the development and growth in the city over a 20-year period. However, the phase in a five-year-long amendment process watched closely by low-income housing advocates, primarily in Ward 7 and Ward 8, because I actually got a chance to work on this 
DC comprehension plan with the DC housing plan. And that was really interesting to see who worked there, real estate developers and supporters of small growth policies. DC Mayor Bowser um, sought to amend the plan to make it easier to build housing in neighborhoods across the city. But actually what's going on and what you see is that there was... um, an initiative to increase the housing in neighborhoods, but only to bring in more money. And this is something that you actually heard the DC housing office talk about a lot. So they wanted to continue to build up. They wanted to continue to build up and not for it to be uh, affordable housing, not even, not even just affordable housing, but universal housing or even, um, allowing people to be able to own and and try to uh bring down the these huge intensified housing rates but actually it was really to just bring in more money um however you do have these sayings and words that they might put on paper to make it seem like that they actually want to have housing for the people that people can afford and people can actually buy but it is not actually the case. So council chairman Phil Mendelson actually had his own amendments to the plan, which were being considered. But a lot of them was regarding uh, racial segregation, racial equity and prioritizing housing affordability. But some critics say that the additions won't prevent the displacements of Afro people, Afro residents. So D.C. Zoning Commission is required to size up proposed zoning changes based on their alignment with the comprehensive plan. And this is something that has been going on for a long time. So you have a lot of people who have been uh, giving their case um, against the comprehension plan to actually have it uh, changed in the commission's decision must be not consistent with the plan or they can be subject to the legal challenges that block or stall the development because you have people, organizations like Empower DC that have been working against it. So the comprehensive plan as introduced fails to address racism and ongoing public health crisis in the district, which can be evaluated as several things. It appears that racial equity was neither a guiding principle in the preparation of the comprehensive plan, nor was it an explicit goal for the plan's policies, actions, and implementation guidance or evaluation. These processes failures laid the groundwork for deficiencies in policy proposals are a, a historical um, issue and solutions are not proportionate to racial inequities and directives of concerning weak or or vague. But really, these aren't racial inequities. These these are um, human atrocities, right? This is inhumane, and in a way, some some might say that it's a it's a form of genocide. Rent controlled and subsidized housings are central to the lives of thousands of DC residents and are at risk because of the city's development patterns. And I would just like to put in place right here that during COVID 19, we saw that there was a lot of empty housing, but there wasn't any initiatives by the government to actually uh, make that housing available for people who couldn't afford it because of the jobs that were laying people off, but also the homeless people. And during the winter, it was really, really cold. So um, these are the things that we really need to start thinking about to start addressing, right? And there's a quote that I really 
like that says, by our unpaid labor and suffering, we have earned the right to the soil many times over and over. And now we are determined to have it. This is the sayings and this is the ideas. This is the type of consciousness that we must adopt in order to get to a place where we are independent. So the core of the earth would be shaken if the Afro diaspora would unite and arise seeking justice for mankind by demanding reparations and restitutions of the land to advance economic prosperity within the Afro community, carbonated community. It is vital that a sustainable society of businesses that promotes agency in our communities be established, revolutionizing Afro communities with knowledge and strengthening our economy would break capitalist change. Chains that we see mentally and physically. The nation's capital, Washington, D.C., is the ideal place to evoke change against bias policies in order to empower Afro people and businesses across the nation and world in order to end the deprivation of wealth by which the elitist or majority in the United States of America, not in the world, taketh it by force. We must create a system and utilize our local and federal rights to the fullest potential, i.e. declaration of independence if you are, in fact, American citizen and you are not sovereign. The allocation of land in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, coast and sea islands was protected and dominated by Afro people in 1863 during the Civil War as a result of land confiscation and reselling from the United States government. However, the same land that was given to us by the government was stripped from us. This is one of the many reasons that the Afro community or carbonated community must join unions and organize to develop their own system, which develops their own communities. The allocated land was auctioned at a discount of $1.25 per acre compared to the $40 to $60 per acre that it was worth or, or paid for. So freed Afro-Americans or um, carbonated beings took advantage of land ownership and acquired autonomous power for quite some time. However, a renewal and commitment to the freedmen's home colonies was essential to developing economic autonomy from a government system we cannot depend on. This freedmen's borough was even capable of guarding their land and securing their livelihood by a regiment of the United States colored troops, which was at the time a militia that was actually paid for by the government. The mobilization of Afro men or women is the only plausible solution to reaching economic and social equity to ensure security. If the lands are not protected, it will be stolen, as we have seen primarily before. So this is really essential for us to um understand what what our options are right we have to understand that yes we live in the united states of america where people like to brag about it being the land of the free however in reality we are at war there is a war going on and there is an internal war going on and i know we want to talk about how much we love it here and it's great and it's fine and dandy. 
you have to understand that in actuality, there's a lot in place for certain groups of people to be um, really destroyed or dismantled or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of work that the government could do for there to have peace. However, that doesn't get done because um, power wants to stay in place. So with that being said, um, living in the city and in the area that I do, which is now Valley, the place that was booming with Afro businesses, I'm starting to see a lot of dogs. (laughs) I'm starting to see a lot of dogs, meaning dog parks are getting replaced with homeless shelters now or um, our people for for that instance. not just homeless shelters. That's just a discussion that has been had with um, different wards in, in council meetings. And that's another thing. So if you're listening to this, start going to the council meetings because they're essential. It's really good to know what's going on in, in your community in that ward. And this is where they're actually talking about different changes that they're going to make. Like I think in uh, in Ward 4, they're actually talking about using tax dollars to create like a floating train. Excuse me. So um, it's it's really helpful to learn about what's going on because th- this is an opportunity for you to speak out. And, and these are the, the meetings that they're actually documenting and saying, oh, well, we had this conversation and they were OK with it then and uh, whatever the case may be. So this is an opportunity for us to actually like start to document what our concerns are and and to get a change it's not the most effective way but it's a way for it to at least be documented so there could be a trial um or trail of what we actually have been uh, promoting but this has been going on for so long so anyway you have this gentrification that's going on and that we can obviously see with you have debilitated houses once that are now being built up in a day and then being bought by someone with the capital that are then renting it out or um, selling it out or to someone else. Um, and then that is what is causing I actually live near a home where the home next to me was actually uh bought for about $300,000 and that had to be around 2015 and now all the homes on the street are going for millions of dollars so that person lost about a 700k profit on their home just by taking the immediate cash that was offered by a white woman but these are things that are happening all across the city and alongside you have the government that actually encourages big businesses to come in instead of or big developers to come in as well instead of local businesses and encouraging local business to happen as well and one way you do that is by being very strategic as to who you're giving business loans out to and and what the criteria is but um also putting it under table or or making it a little bit harder to uh, have the public masses or the local communities know which properties are going for um, sale and a good sale and they want as much money as possible. So they're going for the ones that can do it. But 
that isn't right. So um, these are the types of conversations that we actually need to start having in our communities. And the idea of urban renewal begun to be developed in the United States in the 1930s as a program directly related to certain slum clearance in public housing projects. The Illinois Neighborhood Redevelopment Corporation Act and the New York Urban Redevelopment Corporation Act, both enacted in 1941, marked the first official actions in the field of urban renewal, although the term was not officially used. It was the National Housing Act of 1949 that set broader goals. It dealt specifically with the elimination of substandard and other inadequate housing through the clearance of slums and blighted areas. And the realization as soon as feasible of the goal of a decent home and the suitable living environment for every American family, thus contributing to the development and redevelopment of communities. This was the first time the word redevelopment was used in the federal legislation. In 1953, a committee of experts recommended broader more comprehensive renewal. It encompassed programs for slum redemption for rehabilitation of existing houses and areas, which must advance along a broad unified front to accomplish the renewal of towns and cities. In 1954, such provisions were incorporated in the Housing Act. By 1960, more than 400 communities had an average of about two urban renewal projects, each ranging from small ones related only to some tens of families to very large ones affecting more than 10,000 families. And that's something that you can evaluate with New York and knowing what's going on in New York and how high um, everything is in New York now, but also um, even California, because that was an indigenous place too. But in actually like half of the United States, right? But um, also just thinking about places like Australia and those indigenous people and how they have been pushed uh far hunted, uh, killed, and um, how the government really ostracizes them, isolates them, and doesn't give them anything, and that that they were indigenous to those communities. So this is something that if the people did step up and fight for their rights, that it it would really have a precedence all across the world. Um, People are watching us and seeing what we are doing. So it's really up to us to hold governments accountable for these inhumane injustices, atrocities that are that is going on if we come together because it, it's not right. It does cause a lot of animosity in our in our communities and it can intensify the violence that we see in our communities. But we have to address what the actual root problem is and issue. It's so much easier to blame ourselves, but what is the history and um what what is the trauma that lingers? So what what are the generational um problems that are seen? So thank you for listening in on my podcast today. If you have any suggestions about for future topics that you'd want to discuss, please reach out to me. My Instagram is united.mars with a z at the end and i also have a twitter that's called more m-o-o-r search s-e-a-r-c-h on twitter and i also have instagram 
M-U-U-R-Z dot Z. Reach out to me on these platforms if you want to hear more about a specific topic. If you want to join in on this conversation, I am open to hear about what you guys want to learn more about and talk about. Thank you for listening to my podcast again and peace.